That's it for announcements. Let me now invite you to turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Today we are going to be finishing up the book of 1 Peter. Uh, Our main theme of this series has been suffering well as exiles. The reality for all believers is that we live in a world that is hostile to God's ways and to those who believe in him. This means when we proclaim Jesus with our words and with our life, we shouldn't be surprised when we encounter trials. Don't count as strange as though when you experience these trials, yet when we are treated this way, we rejoice. Because in in that, we are suffering as Christ suffered because we know Jesus committed no sin. There was no deceit in his mouth, and yet he was treated as the worst of sinners. He was cursed and hung on a tree. And by his death and resurrection and our response of repentance and faith in Christ, we find salvation in him. What we've learned through 1 Peter is that suffering is the calling for every believer. This is something ordained by God. Still, understanding this doesn't make it easy to suffer. What we must understand in the battle is that we have an enemy who wants to destroy us. When we suffer for doing good, he will cast his lies on us. You are going through this because God is punishing you, or lies we may hear, or you are suffering because God doesn't care about you, or he's forgotten about you. Perhaps the temptation comes where Do you really think this God is real who's allowing these things to happen to you? You will never be good enough to experience God's grace and mercy. You deserve to suffer for what you have done. You are alone in this suffering. You aren't strong enough to endure. Why don't you just give up? Give into that addiction. Hand yourself over to those sinful desires. Can any of you relate to these kind of temptations? These thoughts are not from God. And so we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to resist the devil, which is what Peter speaks of as we wrap up this book. So let's jump into God's word together. Follow along with me as I read 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever amen by Silvanus a faithful brother as I regard him I have written briefly to you exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God stand firm in it she who is at Babylon who is likewise chosen sends you greetings and so does Mark my son greet one another with the kiss of love peace to all of you who are in Christ. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you this morning for your mercies. Mercies that are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, that you have paid it all. God, our greatest problem has been done away with, and because of your victorious death and resurrection, we have hope. Not a wishful hope, not a dreamy hope, but a sure hope, a firm foundation that we can stand on. And Lord, in this battle of life where we suffer as exiles for doing good, Lord, we need that reminder of your comfort, of your grace, of your mercies. Lord, we need the reminder, too, that we are in a battle, we are in a war against an enemy who is already defeated. Lord, the, the, the battle continues, but the war has been won. We're fighting a battle that Christ has already taken care of. So remind us of that, Lord. We have great reason for hope this morning. No reason to fear. And so, Lord, help us to grow in our understanding of how to fight the enemy this morning. And it's in your glorious son's name we pray. Amen. Our title of the message this morning is this, Fighting the Devil, Victorious in Christ. We are victorious in Christ. Now, whenever you start talking about Satan and demons, you have to be careful. Depending on who you talk to, there are two kind of main extremes that people tend to run to. First of all, I imagine most of us here wouldn't necessarily fall off this side of the saddle, but there are are some extreme views where people find Satan, the devil, behind every rock. Like everywhere you turn, it's the devil. Get behind me, Satan. Have you ever met those people who constantly are blaming the devil for everything? The reason why this can be a problem is that you can end up blaming Satan rather than looking at your own fleshly Desires. The scripture says all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has gone our, what, own way. When we're born, we don't have to be taught how to sin. It's our nature. It's like why one of the first words of every child is no. We are born sinners. It's not because of Satan. It's because of our own flesh who wants its own way. We don't always need the devil to distract us. We do a good enough job ourselves. You know, we we can act like we were just going about our day only thinking about God and then bam, a box of Twinkies jumps into our hands. Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) That's not the way it works. It works because that's what we crave. That's what we desire, right? Nobody's nobody's fighting off like, "I I gotta put this broccoli down. I mean too much of this cauliflower here. The spinach, man, I'm eating too much. No, the reality is, is our flesh is often responsible for our sin. We can't blame the devil for everything. But then on the flip side, there's the other view where we just kind of discount the spiritual side. We just, we just kind of discount the, the, the fact that, and, and ignore that there is a real spiritual battle The truth is, is there really is a spiritual enemy who should not be overlooked. We cannot approach this world through only the lens of the physical realm. Verse 8 reminds us that our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We need to take it seriously. Turn with me real quick to Ephesians. 
Now, if you were with us, you recall going through this, and these are, these are very common scriptures as believers that we are aware of. I've got to stop talking so I can remember Galatians, Ephesians. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, we know there is a battle. And we have to remember this, Ephesians 6 verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We need to remember that ultimately people aren't the enemy. It's a spiritual war that we are facing. Satan is real. He, he is no little kitten that we are talking about here. Last week we sang the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Did you catch in one part of that phrase, if you're not paying attention to the word, you might think it's talking about Jesus, but in that, in that verse, the author says this, Martin Luther says this of Satan, on earth is not his equal. The devil is not someone we should be trivial with. We need to take him seriously. Here, here's the good news, though. He is not someone that we need to be afraid of. There is no power that he has that can overpower us because of Christ in us. Still, brothers and sisters in Christ, this isn't a sit back and let Jesus take care of Satan type of calling. First Peter gives us wisdom in fighting the enemy. So we're going to look at five ways to fight the enemy here this morning. Five ways to fight the enemy. Here's the first thing. We've already been talking about this this morning. Take the devil seriously. Take the devil seriously. All of these verses kind of center around that call in verse 9 to resist him. Resist the devil. So going back to verse 8, we see be sober Minded, Take the devil seriously. Be sober-minded. Now, if you've been paying attention through this book, you, you know that this is not the first time that he has mentioned that word, those words being sober-minded. Just look back with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse 13. We, say, we see this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, the revelation of Jesus Christ is coming. He's returning. You need to be sober-minded. You need to be watchful. You need to pay attention here. You need to have clear thinking. In chapter 4, verse 7, we see it. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Why? For the sake of your prayers. Again, this... This, sober, this call to be sober-minded is to listen. This is a serious matter. Christ is going to return someday. The end is coming. You need to be ready. You need to be, be sober-minded. You need to have clear thoughts. Don't be clouded in your thinking. Take it seriously. Take the devil seriously. This is not something that you should approach flippantly growing up in public school I can remember just lots of classmates I observed that did not take it seriously many would joke about hell and how it's going to be a place to party with all of their friends often see people wearing 
clothes with satanic symbols on them. To many, it was all for fun. But as I look at the world, have you ever seen the news and just seen some brutal things that are hardly even worth, like you can't even speak about them in public, but you, you hear about it, like atrocious, awful things. It's very clear. Like we live in a dark world. There's satanic things that are happening all around. The very fact that as a country, it is okay to kill a baby should be atrocious to us. This is the work of the devil. He is real. We need to be paying attention. We need to be sober-minded. We need to be clear-thinking. The devil is a prowling lion. Now, for all you cat fans, this is not some kind of domestic animal looking to snuggle. He wants to devour you. And I would warn you all, especially young people in this room, don't mess around with things like Ouija board and things of the occult. Don't, let, don't treat Satan like it's some cute fad. We have a real enemy, and Peter is calling for us to resist him. And one way we resist him is by taking him seriously. But again, believer, Peter isn't telling us to be afraid of him. Rather, he's just warning us to think clearly on this matter. Be sober-minded. Take the devil seriously. Verse 8 continues. Be watchful. Here's the next way that we resist the devil. Stand for... Uh, be alert to the enemy. Be alert to the enemy. Be watchful. Is it true? When you, when you take something seriously, you're, you keep your eyes open. You are alert to the world around you. I found ourselves driving. You, you know that like night and that first rain when your windshield is like dry and then the rain just kind of mucks it all up? We were driving to pick up our son from somewhere and it, it was really hard to to drive it, so I'm looking, okay, what are the, where's the white lines on the side of the road? I'm going to stay by that as long as I'm good. I'm going to be watchful. We're watchful in those things. We're not paying attention to the things around us. We're looking right in front of us. This is what we're called to do. Be, be watchful. Be vigilant, vigilant to pay attention to your surroundings. I think we would all agree that TV has become more and more progressive and less and less Christ-honoring. There are agendas being thrown around everywhere. You can't even watch commercials anymore without being bombarded by the culture values that go against Scripture. I mean, I'll, I'll be watching the commercials of the Super Bowl. I love, I love those. But I also have to have the remote ready because of the things that they bring. Well, I found myself a little while back uh, really tired, laying on the couch, in and out of sleep when my kids asked if they could watch a certain show a certain movie, and so without looking into it, I said, sure. I wasn't watchful, and to my dismay, there was all these LGBTQ references which were forefront in this kid's animated movie. I wasn't watchful. I wasn't paying attention. I, I didn't have my, my sensors on to, to make sure I looked into this before I allowed my kids to do that. Why? I, I wasn't sober-minded. I gave the adversary a foothold. At that point, we, of course, turned it off. It, kids got upset, and we had, a had to have, have a conversation about it. Listen, brothers and sisters, the enemy is crafty. 
He's sneaky. He knows what will lead us astray. Therefore, we need to be watchful. We need to keep our eyes open. We need to be listening. And listen, the, the temptation that the enemy brings us is often not something outlandish. For instance, I, I don't think the devil just all of a sudden wake up one day and try to get you to have an affair with someone. But he may take an argument you have with your spouse and stir up dissension between you. He'll begin to tell you that, you know what, you deserve somebody better. You deserve to have that attention. And all of a sudden, somebody at work starts giving you the attention that you desire, and you kind of like it. And all of a sudden, you, you start to drift. Satan didn't just bring that idea into your mind right away to have this affair, but you've built this relationship, and then you've come to the place where, after giving in to those temptations, without being watchful, you find yourself in the middle of an affair. That's often how Satan works. It's, it's a slow drift that snowballs and becomes this massive problem. So Christian, let me ask you, are you paying attention? If I'm honest, I'm deeply concerned for the church in America. There are so many things that can easily distract us. I don't, I don't think the devil needs to worry so much about destroying us as much as distracting us. You know, we are one of the wealthiest nations in the world. Do you have a hold of your money or does money have a hold on you? We are so full of desires of stuff. I mean, how many TV remodeling shows do you need? And listen, I, I like watching those things. I, I, I get, like, I'm in this, in this mode right now where I'm just watching people take these RVs and flipping them. And then I'm thinking, what, what good is there in life just to travel around in an RV and that's your life? Like, where's the gospel hope in that? You're just living your own pleasurable life. We're so distracted and we need to be watchful as believers that we don't get sucked into this desire for more. Because guess what? You get more, it doesn't satisfy, and so what do you want? You want more. If I just had a little bit more. Be sober-minded. Take the devil seriously. Be watchful. Be alert to the enemy. Here's a third way that we can fight the enemy. Verse 9. Resist him firm in your faith. Brothers and sisters, stand firm in your faith. You want to fight the enemy? Stand firm in your faith. Be strong in your faith. Stand, we, we, we spoke of our firm foundation. Christ is our firm foundation. We need to remain in Christ. Build your life on him, on that rock. Our faith is the cornerstone of our relationship with Christ. It's how we respond to him. We do so by faith. We don't just respond to Jesus in faith and then do whatever we want to. God calls for us to grow up in our faith. Make it firm. This is certainly a desire that Peter had in writing this letter. This is, this is not an easy book to swallow. Suffer for doing good. Endure that suffering. Rejoice in that suffering. Entrust your souls to your faithful creator. Delay gratification now and instead suffer so that later you can enjoy the glory of Christ in eternity. You'll be rewarded later. That's hard for our flesh, right? We want gratification now. We want instant gratification. 
We want to be rewarded now. You can understand how suffering without doing wrong would be extremely challenging to endure. And the weak in faith will struggle with that reality. It doesn't make sense for us. Wait, I thought God loved me. I, I came to Jesus to have an easier life. And Jesus says, in this world you have trouble. Salvation doesn't mean an easier life in the sense that your circumstances will be easy and the devil will roll over and open up the red carpet for you to walk an easy life. That's why we got to be firm in our faith because suffering is the reality for faithful followers of Christ. When, you know, when I was younger in my faith, there were a lot of things that I couldn't fully comprehend. You ever find yourself looking at what Others who have gone before you, maybe older than you, who struggle deeply and yet somehow, like, their faith remains strong. Here's what I've learned, is that God doesn't give you grace for tomorrow. He gives you grace for today. He gives you the grace when you need it. Uh, many of you know this story about our family. A date is quickly approaching that our family will never forget. On February 15, 2011, sorry, I received a phone call that no family member should ever get. It's one of my brothers telling me that another one of our brothers passed away suddenly with no understanding why some kind of health issue where he was getting ready actually to meet my parents and he just slumped over in the chair and just like that he was gone. Of course, you can imagine it was, it was devastating for our family, but not, not the way that you think, just the reality that death is devastating, right? I think we can say devastating as Christians and realize it doesn't mean we're obliterated, but it, it was crushing. I, I mean, at that point I was two hours away, and I remember as the longest drive of my life is I, I couldn't even drive. Mickey had to drive for me. I just cried the whole way home until I got home and just jumped into my parents' arms, like devastating. But, but here's what was true for us. It wasn't devastating to our faith. Through our tears, and there were a lot, and through all the sorrow, Christ held on to us. We trusted in Christ, in God, to carry us through, and he did. And listen, our faith is stronger now than it was before. Prior to his death, I, I couldn't have imagined what it was like to go through something like that. But here's the reality. God gives you grace when you need it. And he will grow your faith through those moments. And I know it's a reality. Death has been a reality for our congregation. We've had a lot of recent deaths amongst family members of our people. First of all, my heart goes out to each of you. It's hard to experience these devastating travesty, but believe or remember, don't give, the, don't give the enemy a foothold. Put your faith firm in God who will never leave you or forsake you. Remember, the reason why there is death in this world is because of sin, but Jesus made a way, and this is not our home, and he's preparing us an eternal home. So we've talked a lot about faith, but we need to make sure we understand what 
faith is. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Not a day, not a day by God's grace went by in my brother's passing where I questioned, doubting, God, why are you real? It was a lot of confession of, God, this is hard, but I know you're good. That's faith. Faith is assurance. God, I know that you are going to hold us. I know that you're going to carry us through this because your grace is sufficient. Faith isn't wishful thinking. It's having conviction about something. Listen, we practice faith all the time, right? You've heard me say this. I'm sure none of, nobody here came and checked the stability of the chair that you sat on. You just sat on it. When, when I started my car this morning, I didn't go out and check all the tires. I didn't turn the engine on to make sure everything sounded okay. Like, I just got in my car, turned the key on, and I left in faith. When the light turned green, I trusted that I could go and I wasn't going to get sideswiped. Like, we act in faith all the time, and this is what we are called to. Stand firm in that faith in Christ. Believe firmly, strongly, with conviction. Because, listen, when we don't respond confidently, it puts ourselves in trouble. It, puts our, it gets ourselves messed up. I want to turn with me uh, towards, uh, to James chapter 1. So James is right before 1 Peter. So James chapter 1, verse 5. says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This is why Peter is saying, stand firm in your faith. Because if you're not firm in your faith, you're going to become double-minded. And so when the trials come, when the suffering comes, and you've done nothing crazy wrong, and it's suffering because you love Jesus, if you, your faith isn't firm, then you're going to have all those doubts come. But if you stand firm in your faith, knowing that he who began a good work will complete it, Trusting that his word says he will never leave you or forsake you. You're going to stand firm in your faith. So what are some ways in which we can strengthen our faith? Well, I, we've already talked one way. God grows a, our faith by allowing struggles and trials to come our way. Remember earlier in 1 Peter where he, he talked about just the beauty of the genuine, like being tested Verse 6 of chapter 1, And this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though it perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. It's a beautiful thing when our faith is tested and it becomes genuine because we stand firm in him. Those trials grow us deeper in our faith. But another way, another major way that we grow our faith is by spending time with God, having a relationship with him. This is why we need to be in the word, not because we check it off because that's what Christians should do. We check it off because it's the very life for us. In this book, we have life. This is how we learn about our Savior. It's how we learn about what God has done and who God is. There's, there's no shortcut to godliness. 
We don't trip into faithfulness. We don't trip into having strong faith. We do by grounding ourselves in the word of God. How many of you remember this old movie called Rookie of the Year? Remember that? It was early 90s. So some of you are like, 90s? I wasn't even born yet, which is mind-boggling to me. The 90s were like yesterday, right? Well, anyway, this movie was about this, this kid. He was, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how old he was. But a uh, big Cubs fan, they listened to the Cubs games on the radio, and all of a sudden he had a freak accident, and he hurt his arm, and was in a cast for a while. Well, once his arm was healed, all of a sudden he found like the, the, the tendons and stuff tightened in such a way where he could throw like 90 plus mile an hour fastballs. And he was at a, he was at a Cubs game, and he was in the outfield uh, stands, caught a home run ball, and threw it all the way home from out there, you know, ridiculous kind of kid movie, and ended up, <laughs> ended up joining the Cubs and was part of the Cubs, little kid, this tall, you know, pitching, pitching for the Chicago Cubs. Listen, that's not the way godliness works. We don't trip and fall into godliness like that guy tripped and fell in an, in an accident ended up leading him to be a major league baseball player. That's not how godliness works. Instead, we read this in 2 Timothy 2, 15. Do your best. To present yourself to God as one approved. The worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Be students of the word. Seek the Lord in prayer. Study his word. Pray the word. Believe the word. Believe his promises. Hide it in your hearts. Remind yourself of God's promises every day. So believer, let me ask you, how firm is your faith today? How did this last week look for you in light of you spending time with your Savior? Is God's word informing your mind and heart, or are your emotions interfering? Stand firm in your faith. Verse 9 again. <clears throat> Resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So here, here's the next way that we can resist the enemy. Remember, you are not alone. Remember, you are not alone. You know, one ploy of the enemy is to get you to think that you are all by yourself. Nobody understands what you're going through. No one else has gone through what you are going through. That's just simply not true. Now, you may find in your current sphere of influence no one fully understands what you are going through, but clearly, this is what Peter's wanting to say. Look, there are brothers who've gone before you. There are brothers even around the world who are experiencing what you've experienced. And really, if we look at it, there are brothers and sisters who are experiencing far worse than what we are experiencing here. And yet, these brothers and sisters remain faithful. Listen, Scripture is clear of this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is my first sermon I ever preached. Praise God, I can't find it on audio because it's probably awful. But Scripture is true, amen? <laughs> no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. What it, that's what, it, what this is saying is that, look, there is nothing you've ever faced where you can say, I am the only one who's ever dealt with this. You ever find yourself doing that? Nobody else understands what I'm going through. Nobody else feels this. And the reality was, what does Scripture say about Jesus? 
It says he was tempted in every way, yet what? He was without sin. Brothers, we are not alone. You are not a unique sufferer. Don't believe the lies of the enemy that would tell you otherwise. Stand firm in your faith. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. The enemy is so creative, isn't he? But remember this, believer, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. One way to help us to remember that we're not alone in this, one way to bring us to sobriety in light of the suffering that others have endured is, I encourage you, read biographies of missionaries and other Christians who have gone before and, and learn the things that they went through, the, br- the brutal ways that they experienced persecution because of their faith in Christ, yet they endured. Even in our world today, there are believers across the globe who are being martyred for their faith. Those who gather this morning in secrecy, praying that they would not be found. We are not alone. Take the devil seriously. Be alert to the enemy. Stand firm in your faith. Remember you are not alone. Here's the last thing to fight the enemy. Remember your future and who holds it. Remember your future and who holds it. Look at verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. First of all, let's tackle that phrase, suffered a little while. Is this referring to like a a short season, like you have a bad month of suffering for doing good, or is this referring to a a lifetime? Let's just look back at the beginning of 1 Peter 1, verse 6 and 7, and get get a little bit of clarity on this. 1 Peter 1, verse 6, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, we see there's that phrase again, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so the tested genders of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what this is saying is that this suffering for a little while, this is a lifetime of suffering as believers. It's just a little while. Now, it it is hard for us to ponder that a little while. This feels like an eternity. But when you approach life from an eternal perspective, you realize it truly is a little while. It's a blip. When you think of the fact the earth has been around for thousands of years and billions of people have come and gone, our time on earth is so short. We are but a speck in light of even our history as a world. Understandably, this is a hard concept for us to grasp, but just think about it. None of us are known by the majority of the people in the world, not even close. You ever ponder that? Nobody knows about Ben Hurt over in Africa. I could just sit here and name multiple nations, or they have no idea who I am. 
Billions of people have no idea who I am. And I am here for a little while and gone tomorrow. If the Lord would not tarry and come back 100 years from now, I'm not even going to be a memory in anybody's mind. They're not even going to know who I, who I was. And yet so often we put our hope in the 85 or so years we have on earth. From a human perspective, we are grass that today is here and tomorrow it withers. When we understand that this will certainly affect the way that we live our lives, this is why the enemy doesn't have to destroy you. He only has to distract you. Listen, this life is not about making money and providing an easy life for your kids. Certainly, that there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. This life is not about entertaining yourself with sports and TV, music, movies. This life isn't about getting married and having kids. Certainly, those aren't necessarily bad things. But ultimately, why are we here? We are to reflect the glory of Christ to a hopeless world and live for his glory alone. And as we stay faithful to that, know this, believers, you will suffer. But don't forget this. Don't miss this. Your pain for his glory is not wasted. The years the locust has eaten in your life, he will restore. The Lord himself will confirm you, it says here. He will strengthen you. You may feel like you can't press on. In your own strength, that is absolutely true. But with God, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. The Lord will establish you. As we close, I just want you to remember your future and who holds it. This is not your home. You are aliens, exiles, just passing through. Remember why you are here, why you exist. And remember the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The suffering that you are going through right now will come to an end. A thousand years from now, you won't. All you will be remembering is God's amazing grace. You will be singing of his glory forever. I don't know where you find yourself today. Perhaps you are feeling discouraged. It's been a rough road with a lot of heartaches in your walk with Christ. Don't let this world keep you from remembering what's coming. Don't let the enemy keep your eyes on temporal Things And I leave you with these words from Christ himself. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the hope that we have in you. Lord, 
I, I know I can see how easily distracted I can be. The number of hours sometimes that are wasted on things that aren't necessarily bad, but aren't really fruitful. Lord, remind me of your grace that you've, you've given to me and the call that you've placed on all of our lives to go and make disciples of all people. God, protect us this morning. For those who are distracted, would you draw them back to yourself? Lord, for maybe those who haven't even come to you, would you expose them to the reality of their sin and that they would repent and place their faith in Christ who paid the price? And Lord, keep us strong and firm in our foundation in Christ as we endure suffering for being believers, Lord, that we would rejoice in that. That we would have our, our eyes focused on the prize, Lord, that one day you are going to return and restore all things. This world is not our home. So keep us from living that way. Teach us to live as suffering exiles. And thank you that even now you are preparing that place for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me give you some action steps that you can put into practice this week. 1 Peter 5, 10, and 11, hide that in your heart. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. When I think a little while, I just go to, I just go to Paul, who called his sufferings light and momentary afflictions, which if you know Paul, that's ridiculous. When I think of the little times I've stubbed my toe or, you know, whatnot, and all the things that he endured, light, momentary afflictions, they turning achieving for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And then spend some time reading through Hebrews 11. It's often called the, the faith chapter. Just, uh, just, just let your soul be refreshed by that. And then ask yourself this question. How's your faith? You firm? Is your faith in Christ? Or do you find yourself anxious because of bills that are piling up or health issues? What are you building your faith on? Where is your hope at? And then lastly, resist the devil. Be sober-minded, believer. Be watchful. You're not alone in this. Stand firm in your faith. And remember who holds your future. And remember what your future is. Church, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, so let your light shine. Why? So that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven.